0: Grab a seat. We're going to continue our series called Waiting on God. I'm glad you guys made it to the 1115, because it's, how you guys know, it's snowy out there, right? It's snowy, but we're going to, we're going to have a good time here this morning. So uh, our our key scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, okay? This is the scripture that I believe God gave me for this series. It's, and many of you guys know it, it's Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, Isaiah is a really rich book. It's rich for so many different ways. It's rich in prophecy. It's rich in, in, all, sort, in, in all sorts of different ways. And, and Isaiah is really a prophet and he's a prophet to Israel, but he's also the prophet of what we call Advent. Now, many of us may or may not be familiar with Advent season, but here's how I would define Advent, and you can define it in many different ways, but Advent for me is really three different things. First of all, it's Israel waiting for the coming Messiah, and so Isaiah was prophesying in this period of waiting, this period of anticipation that Messiah was going to come, and so in the book of Isaiah, we see a lot of prophecies, and that Israel was waiting and waiting and waiting on God. And then Advent is also our waiting. I mean, today we wait in Advent for the second coming, for the coming of Jesus Christ. And so, in a sense, we're like Israel, only we're on this side of it. And so, we're waiting for the coming of Christ. And so, we enter into an Advent season where we're in our waiting, we're in anticipation. But it's also about an anticipation that the Spirit of God will break in not just in the past and not just in the future, but the Spirit of God will break in to the here and now. And so it's almost as if in this Advent time, we are to live like on the edge of our seat, just waiting because God is going to break in. And he prophesied, Isaiah prophesied the coming Messiah. He prophesied even towards the the second coming, and he prophesied things that were happening in the present. And, and, And so we see all of those things. We'll look at those at Christmas Eve more likely in detail But in all of the prophesying, in all of the Christmas story, I think one of the things that we miss out on is this topic of waiting. See, sometimes, how many of you guys just turn the Bible, sometimes you turn the next page, and you're reading a story, you turn the page, and then you just go on and you just think, well, okay, the next thing happened, and, and things were bad, and now they're good. But in fact, many times there are years that have gone by. When you read from one chapter to the next, many times years have gone by. Sometimes when you turn the page, years have gone by. And in in some cases, centuries have gone by. When you turn from Malachi to Matthew, four centuries have passed. That, that, That one page turn is 400 years of silence. There were no prophecies. There was no prophetic word in those times. It was just simply a period of waiting. Now, how many guys will just admit that you stink at waiting? Anybody just, I stink at waiting sometimes. We're not good at waiting. But can I just tell you that God is in the waiting, As much as we don't like it at times, God is in the waiting. And many times we see that in the life of people in scriptures. I mean, we see uh, Joseph. I mean, God gave him a promise. God gave him a dream. And then there's years of waiting until the promise is fulfilled. We see Noah. God gives Noah a word. He says, it's going to rain, build a boat. hundred years go by. A century goes by before the first raindrops fall. We see Abraham, God gives Abraham a promise. He's 75 years old that he's gonna be a father of many nations. He tells him to go out by faith into a new land. And yet we see in this waiting period that it wasn't just a turn of the page in his life. It wasn't just the next day. But in, in fact, it was a long time. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight through 10 show, it shows us this. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. I love this line. It says, he went out, Not knowing where he was going. How many of you guys have ever been there before? Like you went out, you didn't know what was going to happen next. You just went out not knowing where you're going. But I love what Abraham does in verse 9. It says, by faith. Do you know that you can go out and not know where you're going next, but you can go by faith on a word from God? That's what Abraham did. And by faith he went to live. In the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in the tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has builders, that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, I hope you figured this out by now, that many times when God gives you a promise, there's a delay before the promised land. We could say it this way. From the promise to the promised land, there's a process that happens many times. Now, God is a suddenly God, but sometimes suddenly takes a long time to happen. (laughs) You guys ever noticed that before? And so there's a process to go from the journey. Now, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, you know, sometimes it's hard to wait, even when you know when the end is going to be. And sometimes waiting can be a hard, long process. I remember when we first found out that we were going to have a child for the first time. I mean, you know when the end is coming. You know that about eight, eight or nine months from now, this child is going to be here. But there's a long wait, and in the wait, you're doing things, you're preparing things, you're thinking things, and and then when it finally happens, that there's joy, and 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 our our firstborn was a son, and and my wife Becca wanted to name him after me, so he, we gave him the name Sean, and then. We found out sometime later that that we were going to have another one, and this time we found out she was going to be a girl, and so I was like thinking, well, Becca wanted to name the son after me. I wonder if it would be cool if I could somehow name the girl after her, and Becca's middle name is Shay, and so I thought, well, Shaylin, like that came up with his name, Shaylin, you know, and and so, honestly, Becca was like, she didn't like the name. <laughs> she was like, no, I don't like that name. And I'm like, no, but it's such a cool name. And I said, what, what if we named her middle name, just, just randomly, just, just for fun, just Paris. So we had Shailen Paris. I just love that. It just it sounded so cool. And she was like, no, it's really different. I don't know if I like that name. And so, so I decided that I was going to do uh, something that you probably think I'm a bad husband for, okay? Just, just saying, I decided that I was going to write a song. And I was going to make up a song with the name Shailen Paris in the song. And I was going to sing that song to her belly as often as I could throughout the whole pregnancy. And so that's what I did. So I wrote a song. Would you guys like to hear it? Yes. Right, let's do it. Is this on? Okay. I didn't get to practice this. I did the first thing live last night. So So I'd sing this song as often as I could with as much passion as I could muster straight to her belly. It was something like this.
1: Shailen Paris, what would I call you when you come out to meet me? would i ever know you if i saw you when you come out to
0: meet me i'd sing this with a lot of passion you know and then it went something into a verse or something like that like if there's a rocky road a stormy sea
1: a shale in paris You'll always be You're the one that I know Oh, one that I see A Shailen Paris to me
0: And I do this over and over and over again
1: (laughs) Shailen Paris What would I call you When you come out to meet me Would I ever know you if I saw you when you come out to
0: meet me? She was in the other services, but she avoided this one. You guys can guess so we kept the name, right? So she got the name. (laughs) So I'm a bad husband. I get it. Um, But... Yeah, so we, I won her over, you know, because in the waiting, there's some activity. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Waiting is hard when you know there's an end, but can we be real for a second? Waiting is a whole lot harder when you don't know when it's going to end. And so sometimes we're in waiting periods in our life, and we don't know when the end is coming. We're finding that out as a church. We're in, in a season, and many of you guys have been following along with our building process, We've been, we thought we got into the, the middle of, or the start of 2019. We're like, man, this is our last year here. I mean, we've been working for a long time trying to get this building things situated. And, and yeah, we don't have, you got some space today. That's because there's a bunch of snow and there's a Chiefs game. But most of the time we're packed out, putting extra chairs in. And, and so we've been, you know, working and working. And we thought this is our last year. And here we get to the end of 2019. And, and we've been doing all this stuff in the waiting. And we don't know when the end is coming. We don't know when the transition's coming. So sometimes that's hard but I thought it'd be a good idea if we took a time out today kind of had a little family meeting and just kind of let you know what we've been doing in the waiting time because sometimes you don't know what what to do you don't know what has been going on and so Tom DeWitt is one of our elders and he's also the head of our building team and our building committee and he's going to share I just asked him if he'd come and just share an update on what's happening would you give Tom a big
2: hand as he comes and shares what's going on I was really hoping I didn't have to follow after that, but uh, <clears throat> no, uh, no, definitely not. You all would leave. Uh, all right, so quick uh, quick update, building project, kind of vision and what that looks like. So to do that, we need to kind of go back to 2013. So in 2013, we moved in this building. Um, it's, it's been great. It's been awesome. God has blessed it. Year over year, month after month, you know, increase has happened, and we continue to grow. And as you know, we've maximized every single square inch in this building. Uh, in fact, there's offices that are look like closets because they are. Uh, and, and Pastor Aaron, uh, his office, in order to get into it, he's got to roll a cart of supplies and things out. And so, we whether it's it's any space or the seating in here and how, what we've had to do with it. We're just trying to maximize as best as we can. And here's why. We cannot do anything else in this building to expand it. Uh, and even if we were to take the tenants that are in on either side of us and help to relocate them to a different location, we still can't do anything in the building because it has to be sprinkler. It just has a sprinkler system put in. And we would be responsible for that if we, if we expand anything else past what we have right now. Um, and in order to do that, it's it's almost a million dollars of investment, and there's zero return on that investment. There's just none, and so we have to do, we'd have to do the entire building, even if we occupied it or didn't occupy it, just because of the way it lays out. And it's just not an option. It's not it's not being a good steward of what uh, what God's blessed us with. The other issue that we have is parking, and so any, any service, there's over a hundred cars. And that is with you all, all the support staff, all the volunteers, everybody that's here. We, we average over a hundred cars on almost every service. And this building has 70 parking spots in it. Uh, thankfully we, uh, we've got some great neighbors and they have allowed us to park in their, in their facilities, uh, because it's off hours for them, uh, during church services. So it, um, that's it's that's been a that's been a huge blessing that's been a great thing but the city requires that there's one parking spot for every three people and so we're going to get into some specifics as kind of what we're looking for so you can kind of see what that is but um, um, we've done we've spent countless hours looking at buildings searching for land uh, visiting buildings visiting other churches uh, meeting with real estate investors and real estate companies and, and uh, development companies i mean we've just we 've spent tons of time doing things like that we 've knocked on doors some of them we 've probably kicked some doors in uh, in love in trying to in, you know, getting in to, to meet with people and, and just try to explore what our options are and what things and trying to think outside the box with that. So we've prayed over multiple buildings. We've uh, we actually we kind of identified one building that we uh, really felt God was leading us to, and we we went out on a on a cold uh, I don't know January I think is when it was, and, and, and as a leadership team and all of our families, we went and prayed over a building, and and it, we've just kind of claimed it for not for us, but we claimed it for the kingdom, and trying to figure out what does that look like and what does God have for us within that, and so. Uh, this week, even, I had a meeting with, a, uh, with a, a landowner and a development company, and it was pretty exciting. There were some a lot of things that, they, uh, that they're excited about doing. They want to put a church on, on a piece of land. Um, but last night, Jake Sapp, as, as I was covering these things, Jake uh, came up to me after service, and he said, the entire time that you were speaking, God was showing him a picture and if you can kind of picture it in your mind, you've got a road that came down on this on his left side. And then there was like what he just described as, as like a field or, or he was trying to explain it. He just drew it out. And so you had a road and then there were these lines that came down. And, and, and he said, I don't know what this is. And he said, and then there's trees over on this other side. And so he said, I just have no idea what this is. And so he showed it to me, and I said, "Well, I know exactly what that is because it looks like this." and I pulled my phone out and and it was identical to what God had had given him on this vision and it's this, and it's this area that I'm talking about so God is working in ways that we can't see you know, and, and it's it's waiting on him um, and so it, uh, we'll see where that goes. It's in the development phases of just even talking about what, what our options are there. But we'll see what, uh, what that looks like. So what are we looking for? Um, right now, we've got 10,000 square feet in this building. And it, um, it, it, what we need is, is basically uh, about 10 to 15 acres of land. So that would support a, an auditorium of six to 800 seats, with the expansion capabilities further than that, um, and then a fifty thousand square foot building with expansion capabilities, you know, on that, with parking alone to support that, you have to have about four acres of land, and again, be able to expand that as as you as we expand. And so that that doesn't even include the multiple driveways, entrances, exits. Um, utility and property easements and stormwater retention facility or, you know, uh, systems and runoff and all those things. So it's 10 to 15 acres when it comes down to it as to what we're looking for. So what does that look like in size-wise? Well, take Sutherlands for an example. Sutherlands has about seven acres in their their complex. They've got an 80,000-square-foot building, about 270 parking spots in the configuration that they have today. Um, uh, lumber right next to right across the street. They've got 12 acres of land, uh, 50, uh, they've got a 50,000 square foot building over there and they've got a ton of parking because that's where they store all of their lumber. Um, uh, so just kind of as a size comparison as to what we're, what we're searching for and looking for, that gives you kind of a perspective with that. So where are we today? Um, we have extended the lease, as Pastor Sean was talking about. We've got one more year in this building, and that's been a huge blessing. And anybody that understands leases and all those things, that just doesn't really happen when you can extend it for a, a year, because typically they want more. So it's just been God's favor on that, and, and it's, it's just been his provision that he's been doing uh, to make that happen. So God has a building and has or has land. He has somewhere for us It's already been established. He has it ready to go. It's just a matter of when that time happens. And it's just waiting on him in order to to make that happen. Because God is faithful and God has that building and we know that. So we're getting ready to roll into 2020, year 2020. And you've heard the, the phrase or the statement that vision is 2020 or you can see 2020 vision or you have 2020 vision. I'm telling you this next year, is going to be a year of vision. It's going to be a year of clarity. There's going to be some blessings that are that are only what God can do. It is not about for us. It's not about building Journey Church. It's not about the building at all. It's but it's about building the kingdom. And we have to have kingdom eyes. We have to have kingdom mindset. We have to continue to to, to chase after God because He has that for us. And it's a matter of of, of again. It's for the kingdom, not for us. So with that, give God praise for what he's doing and what he'll do.
0: Thank you, Tom. A lot of great stuff happening. Let me give you just an update on our building fund while we're at it. I mean, we started off the year with just over 100000 I believe. And uh, because of you guys' faithful giving and what God's been doing, we now have uh, $802,999.11. Let's give God some praise for that. Thank you guys for your faithful giving a lot of people say, well, you can't raise money when there's not a, a building or a piece of land that you're trying to buy, and yet we're doing it. Why? Because, because you guys are the type of people that you understand something. You understand that more growth can happen in you when you act by faith on what you can't see than what you can because we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm so proud to be a part of a church that says, I may not be able to see it yet, but I believe in it, and I'm willing to walk towards it. That's what Abraham did. And we begin to lean into that and push into that. And so, so proud of you guys and what, what has been going on. And like Tom said, God has it all planned out and we're in the waiting period. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes, let me just say this, if you're in a waiting period in your life right now, sometimes it's hard and, and to wait. And so what many people do is they just act hastily. Like, I'm in a waiting period, and I'm tired of waiting, so I'm just going to act on something. And the first opportunity that looks decent, we act upon, and and we do that hastily. And that's what Abraham did. He made some mistakes because he was in the waiting period, and he was tired of waiting. And so God promised him a son, and he said, well, I'm going to have a son one way or the other. And so he produced a son, but not by God's plan. And it caused all sorts of problems. And another time, he went on a detour down to Egypt. And, and he was fearful for his life because his wife was a beautiful woman. And so he told everybody a lie and said, my, this is my sister. It's not my wife, you know. And, and you can read about that. It's like, and he made a lot of mistakes because he just was acting hastily. And, and so sometimes when you're in a waiting period in your life, it's really tempting to just act, but let me tell you something, when you're in a God-ordained waiting period, let me say this, the hardest thing is not to act. The hardest thing is to act only on what God has said. Because anybody can act. Anybody can just leap out and make hasty decisions. You see, yes, there are things that we know to do that we should do no matter what, and there are things that we automatically know we should be doing, yes, but we get into trouble when we assume rather than ask. We get into trouble when we assume rather than ask. I'm a full believer that God guides as we move. I've said it. I've preached on it. Hey, if you're stuck, and that's what Abraham was doing, he's starting to move. God guides as we move. A lot of times, God guides a lot more by red lights than green lights. So in other words, some of us are just paralyzed, and we don't do anything, and we're saying, well, God, tell me what to do. Sometimes God wants us to start moving, and then he's going to give us a caution light, or he's going to give us a red light, or he's going to give us a yield, but, but here's what happens. I believe God guides as we move, but some of us want to move so badly that we forget, we get moving and we forget about the guiding. Have you guys ever done that before? It's like, I just wanna move. And we get moving so fast and so hard that we forget, yes, God guides as we move, but we gotta have the guiding as we move. Uh, I of you guys know we're in the season of eating okay? If nothing else, right? And and so for me, I I know this. And so I, I decided uh, a couple days ago, it's like, man, I got to get back on the treadmill. I don't want to be those guys who get on the treadmill come January. I want to be there before January. And so I know I've been eating a lot, and so I got on my treadmill the other day, and and I was starting to kind of warm up. I was kind of walking on it a little bit, and it started to, to jerk a little bit like it was having a little bit of trouble, and I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna go ahead and go through my program, and so I, I'm running through my program. I'm running pretty strong, and I'm going through my program. I'm three-quarters of the way through my program. How many of you guys are like me? Maybe it's, this is just a handful of people. Sometimes I will do something, like if the program tells me to go to a certain speed, it's like, I can beat that, and so how many of you guys are like that? It's like, I'm gonna go further than that and i'm gonna go faster than what you say and this is a stinking treadmill you know and but i'm gonna win you know and so i i'm three quarters away full through the program and i kick it up and i'm running even faster man it's like i'm gonna burn off these calories and those cookies you know and i'm running as fast as i can and then all of a sudden the treadmill stops immediately But I kept running. (laughs) I almost flip over the dashboard of the the treadmill. And man, it was was me in my garage. And it's like one of those moments where you're looking to make sure nobody saw it, you know? It's like, no, I'm alone in my garage. (laughs) But that's the way some of us are. Some of us get moving so fast, we're tired of waiting. That we're running and God's like, what? hold on. But we just keep running and disaster can happen so easily when we do that. The hardest thing is not to act, but to act only on what God has said. And I'm not saying to do nothing because biblical waiting is different Biblical waiting, waiting on God is not a passive thing where you just wallow in depression waiting, or you wallow in worry waiting, or you wall. That, that's not what biblical waiting is. It means that you do only what God tells you to do, only what God gives you permission to do, only what God anoints you to do, and in that waiting, there may be much activity. It's just the God ordained or God anointed activity. And so that's very hard. It means that I don't touch that with my flesh. It means I don't touch what God is doing with my own uh, activity, with my own works. It means that if God tells you to do one thing, then you do that one thing by faith. And that is your waiting. That's waiting on God for what's next. And I like to say it this way. No thing is better than the wrong thing. Let me say it again. No thing is better than the wrong thing. We've been trying to hire a a youth pastor for a couple years. We kind of put that out there, and we've been praying about that, and we've interviewed people, and, and we've interviewed a lot of people who we could have just brought in. But at the end of the day, they just weren't the right person. And I've said this over and over again. I said, no youth pastor is better than the wrong youth pastor and I'm telling you, we've seen God do amazing things over these last few years in the teenagers' lives, even in the waiting, because we just decided no no thing is better than the wrong thing. Let me tell you this way. Those of you guys who are single and you're waiting on a, a guy or a girl, like, can I just tell you, no guy is better than the wrong guy. You better just get that figured out right now. Because there, there are some things that you just have to understand in the waiting, there's gonna be a waiting period where you have to be sensitive to what God is doing. So no. Right now, even where we're at, even as a, as a church, no building is better than the wrong place. And so we have to wait. We have to be patient. We have to walk through that by faith. That's hard, though. It's hard to do that. But I want you to understand Jesus modeled this so well. Jesus, it says in the scripture that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. John chapter five, verse 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. You know what this means to me? This means that that he must have strategically and intentionally been connected to the father's agenda. He had to be walking, I mean, if, if he only did what he saw the Father, that means somehow he had to be connected in real time to the Father's agenda. How did he do that? How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, last week we talked about Sabbath rest. Today I want to plant just an idea in your mind that many of us are familiar with, but maybe we need to be reminded of. And it's this idea that if we want to be connected strategically, intentionally to the Father's agenda, we need solitude times. Solitude times with God we have to have times where we cut away everything else and and I don't mean just getting away from people because many people are trying to you know get alone or I could say better you're trying to get away from people has anybody ever tried to get away from somebody before it's like I want to get alone what you're really saying is I want to get away from them right there's a difference between isolation and solitude those are two different things Isolation, let me put it this way. Isolation is getting away from people, but solitude is getting alone with God. Isolation is getting away from people, and isolation can be very unhealthy. Many people are like, well, I just gotta get away. I just gotta get away from everybody. Isolation is getting away from people. Solitude is getting alone with God. And we need to be reminded that we've gotta have times where we get alone with God. Pastor Aaron has a story of what was happening with him a couple years ago. And I thought, I told him the other day, a few weeks ago, I said, you got to share that story somehow, because I believe so many people are going to connect with that. And maybe they've gone through something like that. And so I asked him to share this story. So let's watch Pastor Aaron's story.
3: Well, I want to tell you about something that happened to me um, in March, 2017, that was kind of uh, strange and kind of alarming, but it ended up being something really great um, in the end. So what was going on was um, early that year, as we were heading up to this moment, um, it was getting progressively more difficult for me on Sundays to come in and lead worship and, and be a part of the service. It was just, there was, a, there was a, a level of stress and just kind of a resistance that I was uh, experiencing. And I didn't understand what was going on, but I just kept pushing through and I just kept mustering my strength uh, to do it because I just kept telling myself, you know, you need to do this. This is you're serving God. This is how you serve God. And I would just muster my strength and I would get up and do it. Well, anyways, the third weekend of March 2017, we'd gotten about halfway through worship and I literally hit an invisible wall. It's really hard to explain what happened, but I got halfway through a song and I could not sing another word. I don't know exactly what happened in that moment, but I couldn't produce any more words. I I just I stopped right in the middle of a of a line of a song, and I had to reach over and ask Kelsey to take over leading worship, and she did. And then we we were having Sunday night services. That service was also very difficult. I went home. And I took the next day off and I just basically crashed and didn't do anything. Well, on Tuesday of that week, I came in and I just prayed all day. I was seeking God. God, what's going on? What's happening here? And I heard God speak to me really clearly. And he said, everything that you have done up to this point to serve me, to serve others, it's been on your own strength. It's been in your own Effort, your own peace, your own love. It's not been my strength. And he said, if you want to go to where I want you to go next, you do not have what it takes on your own to go there. So if you want to go there, you're going to have to learn to trust me and you're going to have to learn to get your strength and your peace and everything else from me. So that started something. It started a process for me. of learning to trust. And what I found was I had to get away with him. I had to take time. I had to carve out time and a place and get away with God. So that's why I'm standing where I am. This is in the back of my property, the back corner of my property. And I found this spot and I cleared all of this out. I cleared out all the brush and the weeds. And you can see there's like this kind of tree that creates this overhang. And I would come back here for two and a half months for hours at a time, and I would just stand back here, I would pray a lot, and sometimes I would just stand back here and just listen for long, extended periods of time. I'd find myself on my knees back here, underneath this tree, and just listen to God. Because how many of you guys know, God's talking, we're the ones that have to choose to listen. And God began to teach me again how to trust him. But I had to turn off the noise. I had to get to a place where I could hear him and be taught from him and from his word. And kind of an interesting part of the story, the following week after this happened in March of 2017, Pastor Sean had me speaking. And of course, for, for a little while leading up to that, I was terrified because I couldn't even sing a song, much less get up and, and do a whole message. And so as Pastor Sean was introducing me that Sunday, I was sitting there in the chair feeling like I can't do this. This is not going to work. And I just told God, I said, Lord, you're teaching me to trust you. And so God, I'm putting myself in your hands right now. I don't feel like I can do this, but I trust you. And when I stepped up on the platform, we all prayed and I just felt the life and the strength and the peace of God flow through me. And it was awesome. But that's what happens when you take yourself, separate yourself out, find a place of solitude with God and allow him to speak and build you up.
0: That's powerful, guys. And I know it's simple, but it's very, very powerful. But Jesus was our model, again. And Jesus came, one of the reasons Jesus came was to be an example. And it says in Luke chapter five, verse 16, the Amplified version, is 15 and 16, it says, but the news about him was spreading farther and large crowds kept gathering to hear him and, he, and to be healed of their illnesses. In other words, we could translate that to modern day. Jesus had a lot on his calendar, okay? He had a lot of good things going on on his calendar, okay? And it says, but Jesus himself, would often slip away to the wilderness and pray in seclusion we're we're in a season I, I, I hate to say a season but we're really just in a lifestyle most of us where we're surrounded by busyness we're surrounded by people all the time Jesus understood one thing that we need to catch crowds do not produce intimacy crowds do not produce intimacy And what we do here and gathering together is important. There's something that can happen only when we gather together corporately and we worship together that can happen in no other place, no other way on the planet. God designed it that way. We'll never get away from gathering like we do. There's something that only happens in this moment. But there's also something that only happens when you get alone with God. There's something where you connect with the Father, you connect with Jesus in a different way. That was the pattern that Jesus was showing us. We talked about rest last week. We talked about Sabbathing last week. And rest is not just about recharging. It's not about doing nothing. Rest is really an opportunity for relationship. I want you to catch that. Rest is really an invitation to relationship. So when we Sabbath, we're resting in God, but we're also giving an opportunity to to rest in relationship with God and nothing can replace those solitude times with God. You might say, well, I don't have time for that in my schedule. I don't have time for that. Well, I encourage you, go back and listen to last week (laughs) because we covered all that. We we, we can follow God in that way and God will help us create time and space for that. But many of us, we aren't good at waiting. We aren't good at at the waiting process, but God is in the waiting. And can I tell you this as we're getting ready to wrap up? If there's a process in our waiting time, And if God is trying to accomplish something in us through the wait, then how we wait matters. How we wait matters. In all the prophecies of of the Messiah, sometimes they were hinged on what people were doing. Sometimes it was hinging upon Israel's faithfulness to God or certain prophets to rise up or certain people to be obedient. And so in Galatians, we hear something, we read something where it says, in the fullness of time, Christ came. What what does that mean? That means as soon as everything started to slot into place, okay? And so in our life, if we're in a waiting time, sometimes the way we wait may even change the timeline of our wait, how we wait matters. If God is trying to accomplish something in us, then the way we wait may even, ch- it may even change the timeline of the wait. And so I want to have the worship team come back up as you're just thinking about that. And I want, to, want you to be reminded of this idea. Sometimes we hate the waiting, but I can tell you God is in the waiting. I heard this quote from Pete Gregg, and It says this, If all my prayers were answered, I might well have great faith, but I would never learn true faithfulness. Faithfulness, that mark of all true saints, is a long, slow defiance of painful circumstance. Let me say it again. If I had all my prayers answered, I might look like I'm a real big prayer warrior or like I'm, a, I'm following Jesus at a high octane level. But can I just tell you, one of the things that Scriptures talks a lot about is something called faithfulness. And faithfulness can only be accomplished when there's a delay between the promise and the promised land. Faithfulness will never be achieved in you if there's a promise and the next breath the promised land comes. Faithfulness only happens when there's a delay between the promise and the promised land. And so many of us are kicking and fighting at the delay. But what the delay is doing in us is it's producing faithfulness. And faithfulness can only be produced in the wait. Faithfulness can only be produced in the wait. And God wants to accomplish something. You know, the the best thing that you could hear at the end of your life is well done, good, and faithful servant. Well done, good, and faithful servant. But the only way you can be faithful is in the wait. But in the wait, God's presence is near. We're gonna get ready to come to the table. There's a table in front, there's tables in back, and we're gonna receive communion together. And as we do this, we're gonna be reminded that there was a waiting time, that there was a lot of prophecies to be fulfilled before when we take the cup that reminds us of the blood that Jesus spilled on the cross for us and the, the bread that represents the body that's been broken for us, until the moment when Jesus took all of our sin upon the cross and he said, it is finished, a lot of waiting had to happen up until that point a lot of faithfulness but we find ourselves in between the wait in between the it is finished and the maranatha of come lord jesus we're in this faithfulness right now and so we can be found faithful in the wait you may be in your own little waiting series season right now your own little waiting period and and you you can just come to the table and be reminded that there's a process between the it is finished and the second coming. There's a process between the promise and the promised land. And we can come to the table and we can be reminded that he is our peace because he's the prince of peace. That he is our joy because Hebrews 1.9 says that he's been anointed with the oil of joy and gladness. That it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. That we can show love even when we're, we're, we're short on patience because God is love and God lives in us and the fruit of the Spirit can come out of us. So when we come back to the table, we're reminded of all these things. But we're also re- not just reminded of things, we're also almost prophetically declaring things. We're prophetically declaring that Jesus has come, that Christ has come, Christ has risen, but Christ will come again. We see this in 1 in Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord himself that instruction which I, which I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This represents my body, which is offered as a sacrifice for you. Do this in affectionate remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in affectionate remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're symbolically proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. So would you stand up with me as we get ready to prepare our hearts for this? We're gonna come to the table and grab the elements and take them back to our seat and just have a solitude moment even right there. It's, it's, It's almost like a seed for what God wants to do from here on out in your life. It's like just take a moment before God. Said, so I'm gonna be reminded, but I'm also gonna prophetically see what you want to do next. More importantly, God, help me to be found faithful in the wait. So, God, we, we pray that right now. We just say we want to be found faithful in the wait. We know that even when we've been found faithless, you your word says that you've been faithful towards us, and at any moment we can come back and we can plug back in and we can say, God, my heart. I want it to be your heart, my agenda. I want it to be your agenda, my timeline. I want it to be your timeline, the process you want to work in me. I say, let it work. We're thankful for the promise. We're thankful for the promised land, but we're more thankful for you in the process. But help us to be reminded that your presence really is the prize, that your presence really is the treasure. Help us not to run so hard that we miss that your presence is the treasure. Help us be reminded of that as we come to the table today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's come and let's receive during this song.